So today, I want to talk to you about this topic, I trust you. I think probably the time that your faith is tested the most is when life is at its worst. When your greatest fear becomes reality, when your heart is broken, when uh, by grief, or when the problems that you're facing just seem overwhelming. Maybe some of you are going through that right now. Basically, when all you have left is your faith, that's when you find out if you really trust God. When all you have left is your faith, that's when you find out how much you really trust God. The word trust in the Bible is an interesting word. It means to rely on or to put your confidence in. The, the idea behind the word is, uh, the, this word trust, is that you're relying on someone other than yourself. You're putting your confidence in someone other than yourself. That's what the word trust means. And I think perhaps the greatest illustration I could give you of that is if you've ever gone skydiving, you've likely done what's called a tandem jump where you're harnessed to an experienced skydiver. This is my son Jonathan when we went several years ago for his 18th birthday and we jumped out. But when you, let me tell you this. When you jump out of a plane at 14,000 feet harnessed to somebody you don't even know, That's complete trust. You're absolutely putting your confidence in somebody else. You literally are putting your life in their hands. Literally. You're completely putting your life in their hands. And that's what the word trust in the Bible means. It means that you rely on God like that. That you are putting your total confidence in God. That's what the word trust means. There there are times when you have to harness your life to God and demonstrate that you Trust Him. Jesus did that on the cross, didn't He? On the cross, as Jesus was dying, Jesus said these words with His last breath, Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. You may or may not realize that He didn't just make that up, but He was actually quoting Scripture when He said that. It's the ultimate expression of trust. When life was at its worst for Jesus... He entrusted himself to God's care. Later, years later, another man died named Stephen. He was a follower of Christ. He was a Christian. And Stephen, as he was dying at the hands of evil men, Stephen being executed by an angry mob, said much the same thing. Stephen said this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's interesting that in both situations, Both of these men were dying as innocent men, but they were dying at the hands of an angry mob. And yet, as they were dying, with life at its worst, they were still trusting God, regardless of the circumstances they were in. Ladies and gentlemen, when all you have left is your faith, that's when you find out if you really trust God. Today we're going to look at what it means to really trust in the Lord, no matter what circumstances you're going through. And I want you to take your Bibles And open to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. Let me give you a little bit of a background. Psalm 31. Psalm 31, David describes something that he has gone through and is going through. And the description of David's plight is so vivid that more than one Bible character has turned to this psalm for help. For example, Jonah When Jonah was in the belly of of the great fish and he prays out to God, he echoes a prayer that is found in Psalm 31. Or Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah the prophet, as he's writing about the, the times that he is living in and the people are living through, Jeremiah four times in his letter and in his prophecy quotes from Psalm 31. Jesus dying on the cross, quoted from Psalm 31. Stephen dying at the hands of an angry mob, being stoned, essentially quoted Psalm 31. So my point is simply this, over the years there have been many, even in the Bible itself, who have turned to Psalm 31 when life was at its worst and they found comfort and strength in Psalm 31. So maybe you and I can as well. Psalm 31 was written by David. The theme of the psalm is trusting in the Lord no matter what. In fact, I would encourage you if you write in your Bible at all, just to write that over the top of Psalm 31 or in the column of your Bible. Here's the theme of Psalm 31. Trusting in the Lord no matter what. Scholars aren't sure what the circumstances are behind this psalm, but it's very clear as you read through the psalm that David is facing an enemy that is wicked and destructive, and it seems that everything and everyone is against him. It's very likely this might be referring to a time when David's own son, Absalom, was trying to take the throne away from him. David's own son, Absalom, led a subversive campaign against his father. David's son and his closest advisors, David's closest advisors, his closest friends, deserted the king and turned against him. I can't imagine how heartbreaking that would be to have your own son, your own flesh and blood, turn against you to such a degree that they will do anything necessary to take you off the throne so they can be on the throne and even take your life if necessary. In fact, David in the book of 2 Samuel talks about that time and in the historical record of 2 Samuel. Here's what David said. Come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. David fears being trapped in Jerusalem and he wants to spare the city a bloodbath from the hand of his own son. Life was at its worst for David. And yet no psalm in the Bible expresses a more sturdy trust in the Lord than this psalm. Now as we work our way through Psalm 31, I want you to look for two things. As we read Psalm 31, I want you to look first of all for the theme of trust. You'll see it again and again written throughout the psalm. The theme of trust. But also as we read Psalm 31, I want you to look for the trials of life. The many painful trials of life that David describes throughout Psalm 31. So let's just take the psalm and start walking through it. Verse 1, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Right away we get a sense that there's something wrong because David is declaring, in you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. And then he goes on to say, let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. So we sense, even in the first verse, there's something wrong. Something bad is happening here. Verse 2, turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. That whatever David is going through is an urgent matter. And then he says, be my rock of refuge. And there's the word refuge a second time. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. Three times. Three times in those four verses, David uses this important word, refuge. David declares that God is his refuge. 
You know what a refuge is? A refuge is a place of protection. It's a place you turn to when you're in a storm or you're being attacked by the enemy. The word symbolizes security and safety that we can have in God. David said, God, in the midst of this painful time, in the midst of this traumatic experience, I have found you to be my place of security. I have found you to be my place of safety. I found you to be my refuge. And then he says this in verse 5, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Those are the very words that Jesus quoted on the cross as he died. The ultimate expression of trust. Into your hands... I commit my spirit. The word commit literally means to deposit. To, to deposit your, your life, your life into the very hands of God. You are depositing, committing to the Lord God, to His very hands, your life. It's the realization that regardless of what I'm facing, God is trustworthy and God is faithful and I can commit to Him my life. So watch this. At the worst time in David's life, he put his hand in God's hand. He put his trust in God. He echoed, or he wrote the words that Jesus would later say, into your hands I put my spirit. Now, let me show you how bad these times were for David. I, I, I don't want you to take this lightly. I don't want you just to read those words. I want you to see how bad this was for David. In verse 9, here's how he described it. He said, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. Look at that word distress. Be merciful to me for I am in distress. The word distress there, it literally could be translated for I'm under pressure. Be merciful to me because I'm in anguish. It could be translated be merciful to me because I'm in a narrow place. The word literally means narrow. It can be translated narrow. I'm in a narrow place. You know what David is saying? I'm feeling the pressures around me. God, will you be merciful to me because my problems are squeezing the life right out of me? David explains to us how the pressures of, around him are squeezing the life of, out of him. He uses six my statements. We're going to put them on the screen. And this, this is just literally straight from the Scripture. David said, be merciful for me, for I am in distress. And then the six my statements. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. My soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish. My years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. My bones grow weak. That is literally just written straight out of the Scripture. David is utterly drained physically and emotionally because of all the attacks against him. And in the midst of all of that, David also tells us one other thing. He basically says that I have no one, humanly speaking, to turn to. Because in the next two verses, verses 11 and 12, David talks about my enemies, my neighbors, and my friends. It's, he starts this concentric circle wide. He talks about my enemies. Then he talks about those that are closer to him, my neighbors. Then he talks about my friends. And look what he says about those people. He says in verse 11, Because of all of my enemies... I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. No one cares about me. It's like I'm a dead man. It's like I don't even exist. He had no one, humanly speaking, he could turn to. And then he has this, 
this powerful statement that he makes, I have become like a broken pottery. Like broken pottery. I don't know if you've ever seen broken pottery, but it's useless. You see pottery laying on the ground in the Bible land, you see broken pottery, and it's, it's just useless. It's discarded. It's of no value. David, the chosen king, is now a broken man. His life is shattered and useless like broken pottery. And just when it looked like it couldn't get any worse, David goes on to say this in verse 13. He says, For I hear the slander of many, and there is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. And David knew that those who were plotting to take his life was his own son and some of his former closest friends. Life was clearly at its worst for David. And yet, despite all of the personal stress and the physical pain and the emotional turmoil, David made this incredible declaration. Look at this declaration of faith. But I trust in you, O Lord. Don't just read past that. Let that sink in for a moment. The word but is a word of contrast. In spite of all that I've gone through, in spite of all that's happening around me, in spite of what Absalom and my former friends are doing against me and to me, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. This was a simple but powerful confession that David was making. He was in essence declaring, I am not giving up on you, Lord. You are still my God. I'm not going to give up on you. You are my God. My times are in your hands. I believe someone here today needs to say that and mean it. I am not giving up on you, Lord. You are my God. I am not giving... This is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. This is the worst time in my life. But I am not giving up on you. You are still my God. Those are words of faith. As I was working on this message on Friday, my phone rang. And Jennifer Reyes, a former church member, called me from Ohio. She was calling to tell me about a tragedy in her family, and she wanted me to ask you to pray for her. So I'm, what I'm sharing with you today, uh, I'm sharing with her permission. I won't go into the details, but her 19-year-old son, Devin, died tragically on Friday. She called me about an hour and a half after it had occurred to tell me about it. And of course, she was broken hearted. I want to say something to you. Those are the kind of times when your faith will be tested. When your heart is broken, will you still trust God? When your life is shattered, will you still trust God? When tragedy comes to your family... Will you still trust God? I'm going to ask you to pray for Jennifer and her family. They are indeed still trusting God in the midst of their pain. And here's what David is telling us in Psalm 31. When your world is shaken, God can still be trusted. His world was shaken to the core. But his faith was not shaken. His world was shaken, but his faith was not shaken. David said it this way, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands.
David realized that God controls history, yes, but God also controls his own personal life. And he said in great words of faith, my times are in your hands. What a powerful declaration of trust that is when you could say that to God and mean it. God, this is the worst time of my life, but I recognize my times are in your hands. Charles Stanley said it this way, Charles Stanley said, People can oppose us and they can harass us, but as children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our circumstances. Then he said this, Our lives are in the hands of the Lord, not in anyone else's. I love that. Our lives are in the hands of the Lord, not in anyone else's. David, when he said, My times are in your hands, he was saying, My, my life is not in Absalom's hands. My life is in your hands, O oh God. You know what you call that? Call that trust. In the worst time of his life, David declared his total trust in God. He was in essence saying, I am not giving up on you, Lord. You are still my God. I was talking on the phone on Tuesday to a dear brother named David Butler. David Butler is a sin city missionary for the whole of New England, all of New England. And he called, and we were just talking on Tuesday morning and about various things, just talking ministry and that kind of thing. And in the midst of the conversation, David Butler said to, to me, he said, Hey, Keith, you know, I was reading in Psalm 31 this morning in my quiet time. And he said, I don't know if you've read Psalm 31 lately, but, but I love verses 14 and 15. They, they've become something like my life verses. And David, the missionary, was describing to me all the things that David, the psalmist, had gone through as he talked through Psalm 31. And then David the missionary said, I love verses 14 and 15, where the psalmist said, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God and my times are in your hands. And I'm listening to this. And then David Butler said to me on the phone, he says, Keith, just remember this. When life is at its worst, trust God to be at his best and stay calm and confident. And it was silent on the phone. I didn't respond. And you could tell he was kind of waiting for me to respond, but I, I didn't. And then I realized, I said, oh, I'm sorry, David. I, I was writing that down. That's the reason I didn't say anything. I was writing that down, and maybe you need to write it down too. This is from our brother David Butler. When life is at its worst, trust God to be at his best and remain calm and confident. When I hung up the phone on Tuesday, I thought, that's my sermon for Sunday. There's a word that I needed, and maybe it's a word that you need as well. Because you know and I know that everything that happens in life is not good. But we can say in, great, uh, in a great way of faith that God is good. Amen? God is good. When you trust God, you're able to say, My times are in your hands. Now when David said that, he wasn't talking about his schedule. He wasn't saying, God, you're in charge of my schedule. My times are in your hands. He wasn't talking about a schedule. It's something much deeper than that. He was saying, all the events and circumstances of life are in your hands because you are a sovereign God. My times, all the events and circumstances of my life are in your hands because you are a sovereign God. So if you're here today and you're trying to figure out the future, you might need to say those words of trust. My times are in your hands. Or if you're facing a serious surgery, you may want to say those words of faith, God, I, my times are in your hands. 
Or if you've lost your job, you say those words of faith, my times are in your hands. Or if your marriage is on the rocks and you fear it may be broken, just say to God, God, my times are in your hands. I want to give you a prayer to pray this week. Just to kind of summarize everything that we've talked about, and especially verses 14 and 15. Here's the prayer I encourage you to pray this week. Every moment of every day, my life is in your hands. That's what David was saying when he said, God, my times, you are my God, and my times are in your hands. David was declaring his trust in God, and David was saying, every moment of every day, every moment of every day, every moment of every day, my life is in your hands. Some of you, if you say that to God, it's going to be a great statement of faith, isn't it? Because of what you're going through right now, every moment of every day seems to just be turmoil. Every moment of every day just seems to be more anguish. Every moment of every day just seems to be more anxiety. Every moment of every day just seems to be more uncertain. That was the time David was living in too. It was the worst moment of his life, or worst time of his life. And yet, in spite of that, David said these words of faith. But I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. Every moment of every day, my life is yours. Let's pray about that. Let's pray that right now. Let's pray those words. Would you join me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you pray those words to the Lord? And I recognize that in this group today, there are some of you, and it's like, Pastor, this, this is hard because this is a very difficult time in my family. It's a very difficult time in our lives. I don't take that lightly. When you read Psalm 31, so many people in the Bible kept going back to Psalm 31 because they could find themselves in that psalm. They were going through what David went through. Maybe you found yourself in that psalm today. And you need to say to God, even when life is at its worst, God, I'm not giving up on you. You are still my God. In every moment of every day, my life is in your hands. Father, I'm grateful that you are faithful and that you are gracious and that even when life is hard, you are good. And for those that are in this building and those that are watching online right now, I just pray for those that need that comfort that only the Holy Spirit can give, I pray for you to speak to them in a clear way. And I pray, God, that as we take that step of faith, as we declare our trust in you, we trust in your love, we trust in your sovereignty, and we trust, Father, that indeed our lives are in your hands and not in anybody else's. So every moment of every day, we want to trust in you. May Jesus be honored and glorified as we do. And it's in his name I pray.